my name is uh, Donna Bales. I'm a co-founder of the Canadian Regulatory Technology Association. I'm here with Laurie Clark and Larry Boyce from CanCheck. Um, and we're here to talk about AML and the caution ahead. Um, so we're going to have an interactive discussion um, and, and cover some of the regulatory aspects and how technology fits in. So Larry, um, I just may start off with you. Like we've had a lot of changes um, in uh, national and international regulation in the AML space over the last couple of years. Um, how do you think that is impacting um, small and mid-sized firms? Uh, there's just a lot of work. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of the actual regulatory changes in the Canadian regulations aren't even implemented yet. So I think there's been a, a bit of a lag and people who have, uh, particularly in smaller or mid-sized firms, for whom AML um, is simply uh, one aspect of their job have probably felt a little bit like they maybe put it off till later to decide what to do. Um, the, the, the banks and the larger dealers uh, some of the biggest changes are in the schedules. So those that, those that are organizations that are filing regularly uh, large cash transaction reports, suspicious transaction reports, um, a lot of that is done electronically and they have to, to uh, fit that into the lead time for their normal uh, system changes anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's why there was a lot of lead time given. Uh, so there's those three aspects. There's the changes in the substance of the regulations, which are not very big as far as most mm -hmm. of our clients, our dealer clients mm -hmm. are concerned. There's the change in the writing of the regulations, mm -hmm. which is huge, mm -hmm. because we're everything and what are, what are the rules. The last aspect I think people have, that the firms have to be concerned about is the change in the approach as regards enforcement against mm -hmm. financial institutions. Mm -hmm. um, Canada has become uh, criticized a lot because there simply haven't been a lot of actions taken for non-compliance. So they've changed the rules so that... Larry, can I just ask you yeah. I have a question there? Do you think that it's that actions are happening behind the scenes in that there, um, there are, um, there may be slapped on the wrist directly from the regulator, but there's not, uh, but they're not um, visible, or do you think there just really isn't any force? There haven't, there essentially hasn't been anything. Mm. Um, there was a, uh, as I understand it, uh, there was a court case in which things did not go well, they had to change the regulations, make them plainer, and they are essentially revamping the program. Mm -hmm. uh, findings where there are fines, things like that, have been published on the website, the, the uh, FinTrack website, but you won't see a lot there. Mm -hmm. And the ones you see are old. And uh, they are very anxious to change that around. Um, and so one of the rules, that one of the rule changes was an absolute requirement that when there's some kind of disciplinary action taken, it has to be published. Yeah. And that includes not only fines, it includes things like compliance orders where a firm has said, uh, do this, do that, or else. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a formal agreement that the firm will do this. Part of the difficulty, I think, for a lot of firms is going to be 
based on our observations is that a lot of them have some catching up to do. Yeah. They haven't been mm -hmm. that concerned about it. Um, and of course, when nobody's out there taking visible enforcement action, uh, when you get audited and all you get is a threatening letter, mm -hmm. uh, then there's a little less, and as I say, when this is only a part-time job anyway, there's a little less incentive to do something. Yeah. But that's changing, and yeah. I think firms have to be well aware of that. How far do you think it will go? Like, do um, you think they might, you know, they do an assessment, they give them some time to comply, or do you think they might, um, you know, really, you know, or enforce right away if, if someone, you know, a certain firm is maybe, you know, quite offside? Like, uh, it's really dependent on how badly, how bad the firm is doing mm -hmm. from their assessment. Mm -hmm. So, they have always taken an approach, which I think is the correct regulatory approach, that if there are minor problems with the program, uh, but by and large it's effective and it meets the rules, then you simply get the firm to fix it. It's when you go in and find uh, A, that they are, either that they are not doing it mm -hmm. or that they are doing it so poorly that you can't really uh, reconcile the idea of just saying uh, they're there, do better. Uh, that's where up to now you've had, you haven't had quite the ability to enforce that they now feel they have to take these kind of administrative disciplinary actions. And that's a really big change. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really big change because large firms predominantly have the resources in place to be able to handle the amount of you know, review mm -hmm. that is going, this is going to cause. But in a smaller organization, when you have one, maybe two people max, mm -hmm. if uh, doing this and they do it manually, if there's some sort of an administrative error, they're going to be censured publicly. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. And for a long period of time, it's going to be visible on the website yeah. for a very long period of time. That's a huge hit to a firm. Yeah, it's a very, ch it's a, a significant change in how they've been doing things in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, so a, almost a culture sh shift has to happen in some of these smaller firms in order to, 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 to be ready. Yeah. Right? You know. And I, I don't want to use the cliche, so I won't. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a perfect storm. I won't say that. But I would say that you do have caution ahead. You do have three things coming together. Yeah. You have significant changes in the regulations. Mm -hmm. You have the um, the determination to take more vigorous administrative action against firms that don't comply and you have firms that have catching up to do even to what the regulations are today. So, uh, like, you, like we said, trouble ahead. Troubled and, waters ahead. And, uh, and trouble for different types of actors. Uh, so, what I understand is the rules yeah. have changed um, a little bit and the purview of the, the AML um, regulation um, covers different types of players and so we've got you know, you know they've been focusing on MSBs but we've got law firms casinos uh, and different uh, real estate um, mm -hmm. and so there's different um, types of um, players out the there breadth, that need, yeah, the in, breadth yeah the breadth of the reach yeah. now is much more significant yeah. it's much more over overreaching frankly the, the last set of proposals and they haven't been 
Um, they haven't been finalized yet, but the last set of proposals, and they always do get finalized, so I'm not saying that, that anybody should be hoping they won't. There's a core set of requirements that have covered uh, money services, business, securities, uh, and banks um, that have not been extended to other kinds of what they call mm -hmm. reporting entities, mm -hmm. um, non-financial businesses, essentially. Um, things like casinos, uh, precious metals, mm -hmm. accountants, uh, lawyers are a special case, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't talk about them today. <laughs> but, Why not? Wait a minute. Why not? Why not? Um, because I had a case in point to that, okay, a case in point yesterday, uh, talking to another vendor mm -hmm. in the industry or a service provider, and one of the things that came up was in the private capital markets, um, there are law firms out there that don't do any AML checks, mm -hmm. and they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to do the minimum, and I know for a fact they're not. Mm -hmm. So why can't we say that? Well, uh, because the Supreme Court in its infinite wisdom decided that uh, the rules if applied, that apply to everybody else, if applied to lawyers, threatened uh, legal privilege. Um, I could be cynical and say it's, it's, it's more than a coincidence that the Supreme Court is stocked with lawyers. And uh, it's funny that every other country, or most other countries, have been able to implement the same requirements on law firms, I always thought the easy answer was, if you don't want to have your, potential, your privilege potentially um, damaged, then don't do transactional business. Mm -hmm. Don't hold client cash, don't accept mm -hmm. client cash, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I can understand why privilege is important in a lot of situations, but it's in the transactional one where everybody else is getting uh, requirements put on them, and so the the law firms have a tried uh, the the legal profession has tried to seek out alternatives that don't damage their privilege, but they are still privileged in that regard. Yeah, because I actually the response was that what they did was when there was a comment paper that that you know there were certain um, uh, the OSC I believe it was that sent out a comment paper um, with regards to what law, you know, what should we do with AML? And the law association got together and they said, well, we can do a longer checklist. You know, and that's how we're gonna check you know, the backgrounds of people. Okay. Well, we've got, um, we've, when we're talking about small and um, mid-sized firms, it sounds like they, there's gonna be, um, they've got to do some more, more work, you know. Um, so, you know, we're, we're here talking about reg tech. Uh, so, Larry, Lori, um, how, how, do we, how do we think, uh, Lori? We couldn't have made, couldn't I, have made yeah, it more can, difficult can I just, for you, uh, right? Sorry, I don't think we finished the thought. We got off on yeah, lawyers, right. which is always a fun oh, subject yeah, because, to talk yeah, about. It is, it is. But the fact is that this core set of rules, which mm -hmm. covers, for example, uh, identification of politically exposed persons mm -hmm. and beneficial owners of corporations. The proposals are that they be expanded to these other non-financial businesses uh -huh. uh, in the context of specific kinds of transactions or business relationships. Mm -hmm. It isn't universal, um, but it is, uh, for example, in real estate, they, after the uh, publication of Peter German's report on uh, money laundering through real estate in BC, yeah, yeah. they're focusing on that more closely 
and the rules are somewhat going to be special for real estate uh, agents and, and uh, firms um, as compared to, say, precious metal dealers. Mm -hmm. But those requirements are going to go on a lot of these mm -hmm. non-financial businesses which are new to them. It's old hat for securities businesses mm -hmm. and for banks, but it's going to be new for them, and that's a significant expansion. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was maybe a little bit ahead of the game, so that's something that we foresee in the future, um, but it's not quite there yet. Well, it's been published, the proposal has been published in the mm -hmm. Gazette. Okay. So, oh, so it's, okay, okay. It's, 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 it's on the way. Once it's right. in the Gazette, yeah. you know it's coming, uh, uh, what the timing's going to be. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. actually takes the form of, and this is the way things, this, this is the kind of stuff that drives the, those who have to read them a little bit crazy. It's actually the form of amendments to the amendments, the amendments that have been passed, and now they're amending those amendments, so it'll ah, all yeah. be purportedly implemented in 2021 when the, uh, the, the larger part of the uh, recent amendments get implemented. Yeah. So I'm going to sway, sway over to the technology okay. for a bit and, <laughs> and, and talk to, uh, just stress you, Laurie, here. Um, it, you know, there's a couple things to unpack here, like just what, what these laws mean to small and mid-sized firms, mm -hmm. but also um, We've also had a very difficult two months, and I would, yes, like, to, I would like to get a little sense of how that's impacted your clients uh, in terms of the challenges they might have faced in the last two months, if there's had to be any pivots. Um, so maybe we, I don't know, I don't want to get the two questions confused, but let's start with the first one. So based on what Laurie, or Larry was talking about, um, wh 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 where do we think um, small and mid-sized firms need to do to get um, prepared? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him go first because he always has an opinion on this. And then we always argue about it. <laughs> I think you're, you're quite right in separating um, the large businesses, the large banks, large dealers, which are all many of which are owned by the large banks that have full-time staff doing this and resources to, uh, to um, build the systems mm -hmm. or buy the systems mm -hmm. uh, and many times integrate that which they have bought and built together, uh, they have, first of all, they have bigger problems to face because they have larger transactional mm -hmm. volumes. So they, uh, you know, they can get into the outer reaches of technology. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them, many of them already are mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. being able to uh, look at transactional information and look for patterns that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the terms that's used in the business is the velocity of money. Right. How fast are things getting turned over and is mm -hmm. this right for this client, yeah. this type of client, right. for example. The, the smaller and mid-sized firms don't have the resources and uh, unless they use, they have relationships with larger dealers mm -hmm. where they can use some of those resources. A lot of their problem is more the kind of thing that we try to address, which is there's a lot of information out there all over the place. Right. Um, much of which they actually have a legal obligation to look at every mm -hmm. so often. Uh, there are uh, 21 different, there's more than 21 lists, but there are 21 different countries where there are sanctions programs. Mm -hmm. And the lists are all over the place. Some of them are on federal websites, some of them are in the regulations, some of them are in United Nations mm -hmm. website. 
And so just keeping track of that and gathering it yeah. all together, ultimately you want it gathered together and put in front of somebody who you know, can make a decision, can see a problem, mm -hmm. can take action, can find out what it means, but you don't want to have people who are spending uh, four and a half out of their five days in a working week mm -hmm. gathering the information mm -hmm. before they can use the half day yeah. to evaluate it. Look, one of the things that's obvious in the past couple of months that has come up, mm -hmm. um, you know, we always have this argument back and forth, you know, what is it that our customers tell us uh, when it comes to driving technology and some of the challenges that they face. And Larry will always say, well, you know, the larger firms will be able to handle it and the small firms, this is us, you know, we, we got to run in. And, you know, and that's your booming voice. And uh, whereas, um, you know, right now, in the past two months, the small firm has been able to actually pivot mm -hmm. because they're oh. nimble. Right. Right? So yeah, if they have to be home, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal to them. Mm -hmm. they, you know, it depends on how, but the mid-sized firm, now the larger firm has the resources, mm -hmm. both technical and financial to be able to deal with all of the, and they have backup plans, right? They have tons of backup plans mm -hmm. and they've, they've exercised the yeah. backup plan over and over on the street yeah. so that they know what they have to do, when they have to do it. Mm -hmm. It's the mid-sized firm that has had to struggle mm -hmm. in this couple of months. They are feeling a lot, a little bit of the pain because now they're having to spend on technology that they may not be as comfortable with. Mm -hmm. They're having to scramble to have put people in place and people out, you know, in different areas where uh, they may not have wanted to, mm -hmm. to, you know, financially they may not want to spend the money, but they've had to spend the money and it's tough times anyway. And maybe they don't have the talent. Inside. And they don't have the talent yeah. in house to be able to move all of this, mm -hmm. uh, make all these movements and you know, and, and facility movements and, and uh, resource movements and, and the technology. And it's not even, it's not even the, the logistics mm -hmm. that is difficult. Mm -hmm. It's the comfort level of dealing with the, with the technology that you have to use. Yes, so would, would, would a mid-sized firm use AI, do you think? Artificial intelligence or...? I'm, I'm, inc I'm inclined to doubt it. There, there's, I mean, everyone knows that particularly our, our background, both our background is in the securities industry, where because of the changes in the industry, it's become more and more difficult for small firms and mid-sized firms to survive. Mm -hmm. And so they are often living on fairly tight margins. So as Laurie says, having to spend extra on this kind of stuff is always a difficult thing. On the other hand, there are lots of people out there offering fantastic systems that mm -hmm. they, uh, you know, have built often enough for major financial institutions in foreign countries mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, think nothing of spending large dollars on these things and mm -hmm. has, have yeah. to. Uh, but they are not, they become really, some of them are just cost prohibitive for a mid-sized firm. So, the mid-sized firm is left, mid to small-sized firm is left in that position of saying, you know, how am I going to do this? I may not be able to do it myself. On the other hand, can I afford some of these mm -hmm. 
uh, Cadillac systems that there are people out there just dying to sell me. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy choice. I mean, a big part of our mandate at the CRTA, CRTA is around collaboration. Uh, and so um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on, on whether there is any opportunity within the AML world around collaborating to help create some efficiencies, particularly for um, these types of firms. I th one of the changes that is, try is being tried and one of the recent FATF pushes mm, yes. has been the <laughs> desire to have available information about beneficial yes. owners mm -hmm. of companies because that's a requirement. Firms have to find out anybody who's more than 25% owner in a, in a, of a corporate customer. And of course now that's expanding beyond the financial services industry into these non-financial businesses. So the, uh, the ministers have met. Uh, there is a push uh, to, to, to force companies to disclose beneficial ownership information and not just, here's the officers and directors. What happens after that is the interesting thing. If it ever gets there, because this is Canada and nothing ever proceeds quickly when it's a whole bunch of 13 different jurisdictions doing it. What kind of access is granted and to whom? Mm -hmm. And there's always been, first of all, there's always been something of a tension between uh, AML regulation and privacy uh, mm, yeah. issues. Well. And so who's it going to be available to and how is it going to be available? It's, you know, it's fine now. You can go and find out that a company is incorporated in a particular province mm -hmm. and who the currently registered officers are but it isn't cheap. Yeah. And if you uh, want to do that in Alberta, you may not be able to do that directly. You may have to go and hire somebody who's registered as an agent to get that information, which seems to me like a government jobs for the boys type requirement. Mm -hmm. But are all, these, are all these governments going to get together and do things <laughs> in a way that makes it easy, for, easy and reasonably priced for financial institutions to get access to that information. Yeah. If I as a private citizen or I want to incorporate a company, I want to do a, what's called a nuance check looking for names, mm -hmm. um, then fine, make me pay for it. Mm -hmm. But when you've placed these requirements on people and you have the facility to assist businesses by giving ready access and not making it prohibitively expensive, then um, you're probably doing what I think is best for the AML regime. So will the governments do that, given that these things are at least currently a, a revenue source, and, and no one's saying it should be free, but maybe it should be reasonable, and maybe it should be automated. Maybe there should be a way and that's where I'm that jump somebody in. registered <laughs> should be able to go in automatically and, and look at all 15 the, yeah, databases. And one of the things that, that I'm always touting is that when those types of government directives mm -hmm. uh, come out, they come up with uh, responses where the government itself or the regulators themselves think that they are technologists and then they come up with a solution that year that costs ridiculously and prohibitive amounts of money. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we could come up with all sorts of examples, couldn't we, Larry? Uh, you know, <laughs> like the NRD um, and others. 
uh, where they spent a ton of money, mm -hmm. and it's still, you know, mm -hmm. it causes uh, consternation. Mm -hmm. Dare we talk about the gun registry? Dare we? <laughs> yeah. My gosh. Not today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> um, and so, okay. exactly, tons of money, and it does. So, uh, if they're going to come out with a directive, mm -hmm. then let the technologists deal with it, because that's, that's what's going to drive it. Yeah. But, it has to be ready access. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have access, then you're going to have to open up the data where you can access it. Mm -hmm. And if you have business corporations registered mm -hmm. in different provinces and it's not open to anyone, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do it. See, my view on these types of types of utilities and particularly the beneficial ownership is that it needs to be mandated like if it's not mandated by the government that we need to do one that um, the industry won't do it on their own we have um, I, I just finished a project for the European Commission which was on a similar it was an it was an initiative that um, uh, was wasn't explicitly mandated and an industry solution did not um, come forth, and it's still so. I think that it, it if we, if there, this is a useful to the betterment of and the efficiency of uh, the 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 uh, community, then it really needs to be mandated. That's 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 my view. I mean, yeah. Um, but even if you mandate it, even if the government says we're going to mandate this. It's the actual logistics and the government purview. The fact that there are 13. Yes. 13? Are we still at 13? There might yeah. be 15. I can't remember now. Because but if it's AML, can it, you know, does it have to be at the securities uh, well, level? Um, this is a, AML is a, a, an issue. Well, right now your options are basically to go and ask whoever. Whoever your client is, the customer, you're obligated to determine. And so people have forms and people sign forms. And um, anyone who's been in the... Uh, Securities business for very long will undoubtedly have seen many form many forms signed by people for which the information in them is simply bogus. Mm. So how do you verify that? <laughs> and um, to the extent that you have a government um, database which records not only when the company was incorporated, when it last filed, Correct. who the officers and directors are but also who the beneficial owners are, and that's the change, mm -hmm. um, then you have a, a thing where you can go and get to the best possible, doesn't mean stop people from falsifying things, but it does get you uh, to the point where you have a better verification system, and it's where, as a financial institution, you can pretty much say, I've done what was required of me, and beyond that, um, what, any financial institution or, or any, any reporting entity is required to do. Just so, look for something that doesn't make sense and say, okay, now I have reason not to believe yeah. what I've been told. So effectively um, expanding the CRA database to, to include this, like we're not... Yeah, it would be the, the CBCA okay. and the uh, OBCA. Yeah. And, and um, as I say, the information about corporations and who the officers and directors currently registered are, it's all online anyway. Mm -hmm. They're going to add beneficial owners, um, but it isn't necessarily uh, inexpensive to get at. And you can, uh, you know, if, if you're a dealer and you say, okay, you wish to open an account with me, mm -hmm. 
then to the customer, you go and get it. Mm -hmm. And then the customer pays his $95, I think it is in Ontario or something like that, gets the report and gives it to the, the dealer. And, and then you get back into the next layer of problems, which is how much right. can you trust that that's an authentic document. But now <laughs> so, I'm going to circle back to what you were yeah. saying about AI, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. we're talking about how do we make, how do we simplify? How mm -hmm. do we make things more efficient? How mm -hmm. do we use technology to our advantage? Yeah. And so everyone is touting AI. And it almost seems like AI is the fad of the hour, mm -hmm. right? Blockchain mm -hmm. was it last year, and now AI is everything. Mm -hmm. And for chief compliance officers, it's primarily a black box. Mm -hmm. and it, but however, what we are seeing, um, we're seeing an impact in how they can identify algorithms and trends to identify suspicious patterns and behaviors. That is going to be very significant. However, again, I'm going to bring it back. The practicality and the application of it is going to take time. Yeah. Okay, and it's going to take a long time. Even though the FIs, the larger FIs, will have a lot of input into it, and they will be the ones that will be um, putting a lot of resources mm -hmm. behind these types of research projects, mm -hmm. And, and rightly so, mm -hmm. they're, and they're going to be able to adopt that technology perhaps sooner. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to be most beneficial to the, to the mid and small company because it'll be able to identify suspicious patterns mm -hmm. much more readily and quickly so that they can adapt. Because uh, as with all technology, the large things happen and then the small person actually benefits from it, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I don't mean that in a derogatory form, not the small, but the, the smaller dealer will benefit from that technology, um, the, the, the formation of it and the creation of it and the, the adoption rate yeah. of it. Um, and I hope so, you're right, because there's a lot of firms now who could never form a, afford a Univac who you know, carry much more powerful computers around yeah. in their hands. Yeah. And if that's the direction technology goes, then maybe that kind of uh, advanced analytical thing, which can only start with larger organizations and which are going to tend to be designed a little bit on a, yeah. a trial and error thing anyway to see if they but work, also, will somehow get democratized mm -hmm. and come down to the Absolutely, smaller. but also what we're seeing in our own backyard mm -hmm. with our own customers is that they want consistent, mm -hmm. repeatable, mm -hmm. efficient, and cost-effective ways, automation, mm -hmm. simple automation that they can apply yeah. today yeah. so that it makes their lives easier. It has not, they don't want to hear about the research and development that's going to go on out there. Sure, they have time to perhaps read The Atlantic yeah. and The Economist and all the other ones, but for their purposes, for their businesses, they want consistent, mm -hmm. repeatable, cost-effective, and reliable. Yeah. And that makes sense. They need to comply to their AML program, right. and uh, they have to uh, have that assessment, and, um, and th that, so those attributes make complete, complete sense. Right. And, and I've been in the business for a very long right. time, and I've never met a compliance officer that thought they were being underutilized. <laughs> yeah, right, true, <laughs> so, true. And people complain, but that's just too consistent. So anything that makes the job simpler, as I said earlier, by gathering things together in a place where they can 
exercise their judgment rather than spend a lot of time doing pulling things together that could much easier, much more easily be pulled together uh, by technological solutions is is when we exactly came, what they need. When we came along, you know, when we came along, we weren't going to change the world. We knew what our customers wanted. Mm -hmm. And we knew why they had to do it. Mm -hmm. So we gave them a, I'm going to say it again, consistent, mm -hmm. <laughs> reliable, cost-effective, it's bloody cost-effective. I mean, you can't beat us on that. Cost-effective and, and, and the one thing we do have is expertise. We have the expertise because we've been in the business for so many yeah. years. Yeah. So if there's a question they're going to ask, they're going to get yeah. the correct response. Yeah. Um, and so when you're dealing with the industry and you're dealing, and now it's going to be capturing, you're, you're, it's actually going to be capturing more out there in the net of AML with the new changes, you have to have providers that understand what your business is, understand your hardships, understand where you're going to grow your business, understand the regions that are involved in it, understand the makeup of the business and what, and not overtax and overburden the business with research and development projects. Yeah. Yeah. They want people and yeah. tools that they can use in an automated fashion today. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, they need to comply, right? Exactly. And um, so um, we, we're running out of time, um, but I just wanted to, like, uh, maybe both of you could end with a few comments. Like, you know, you know, our title today was Caution Ahead. So just, you know, just sum up in one or two sentences, you know, what you, know, what you foresee and, and how, and how um, uh, small, small firms, small or mid-sized firms can um, prepare themselves. Um, I think right now we are just in the process where um, firms are going to have to start digesting what's already on the plate in front of them. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take a while. And, and there, with a two-year lead time on impl implementing this regulations, the, the government clearly understood that. Mm -hmm. Remember that it's, it's the FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, that tends to set the agenda. And uh, so this tends to happen in... Uh, waves. I think the last the last set of major regulative regulatory changes in the AML area were roughly five years ago, yeah. Yeah. which is also the frequency with which the FATF comes in and does what they call a mutual evaluation yes. and criticizes Canada for all the things we aren't doing, and yeah. that's when the government starts to to take action, as well as Parliament's required to do a five-year review of the AML system. Uh, to make sure everything's up to scratch. So I think the agenda is pretty well set now. Right. I'm not sure how much or how many people have yet gotten around to actually seeing what the agenda is and how it affects them. Thinking it through. And thinking it yeah. through. Mm -hmm. there, are quite a few, there are quite a few changes that are, are, are minor uh, that don't affect the way people already do things, but there are others that, uh, that will create uh, significant requirements on a lot of people that have never had to meet those kind of requirements yeah. before. Lori, right, what do you think? You know, and, the t I, and you know, uh, Larry is always the, the compliance guru, 
and, and I'm always on the other side thinking about technology and how it's going to help our customers. Um, you know, the thing that I see that's, that's out there is that there are lots of, of providers. And you can have providers that have incredible um, and, and um, all sorts of gizmos, and they are amazing. And if that's suitable for your business, absolutely. When you are dealing with a practical solution that you need to, uh, that you're looking for your small to mid-tier firm, there are reasonable solutions out there. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And there are excellent resources available that can lead you to the solution you need. Um, and I think what is coming up with, this, with the changes is that it is going to really force, caution ahead, it's really going to force everyone, not only in the financial industry, in the real estate business, in the casino business, in insurance, which is financial, yeah. in whatever other sector it's, it's you know, reaching out to, they're going to have, they're going to be impacted and they're going to have to report because if they don't now, they will actually be named and shamed mm -hmm. and for a long time and publicly. The loss to reputation is going to be huge. Yeah. Who wants that for yeah. their business? Therefore, take action. And no, the days of spreadsheets are over. <laughs> yes, they, I agree. <laughs> spreadsheets must die. Um, you know, do yeah. it so that, you know, yeah. get, a, a, get a vendor That's robust. You know, that is robust and does the job. Well, that's, that's, that's great. Like, so really, it's really thinking about your policies and your, your procedures and how it fits into your business and, and thinking forward into how technology um, can help you. Um, and that's part of what we're here as CRTA for to share what technologies are out there and, um, and to educate. And so yeah. uh, anyway, I want to thank Lori and Mary <laughs> uh, for a really lively conversation. Um, and um, you, you, we'll, we'll, have, we'll um, be able to, we'll have um, Lori and Larry's um, details on, on the website if you want to contact them. Thanks so much, Donna. This thank was you. Very, it's been fun. Thank you for inviting <laughs> us along. You're welcome. <laughs>